0: You're listening to C-Store Talks. I'm Erin Del Conte, executive editor with C-Store Decisions Magazine. And for this podcast series, I am having conversations with women in convenience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hunt Brothers Pizza represents a legacy of pizza in the convenience store industry. We are able to offer the best pizza value in town at over 7,800 locations across 30 states, ensuring you're never far from one of our store partners, whether at home or on the road. So I'm here today with Polly Flynn, the president of GetGo and the executive vice president of Giant Eagle. Polly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Erin. It's great to be here.
0: So Polly, on this podcast, we've been talking about women's experiences in the workplace, especially in the convenience store industry. And we've been observing that a lot of the times our generation really determines sort of what our experience has been like. Uh, you know, I'm part of, I'm an older millennial. I'm at the very uh, almost Gen X. What generation are you a part of?
1: I sit right between the baby boomers and Gen X. So uh, that's quite an interesting period of time. So I kind of have the benefits of of those generations, both to learn from as well as to kind of observe.
0: Wonderful. And so how do you feel? Can you say a little bit more about how that time period in which you came of age, how that really has shaped your experience as a woman in business?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, generally, Erin, there aren't a lot of women in the convenience business. And I kind of grew up in the oil business uh, as I kind of made my way in my career to convenience retailing. So I think that we start with that, and that is even still the case today. When I stand and uh, look out at the NAX audiences and things like that, it's it's typically quite the sea of uh, of men, mm-hmm. um, and um, which is which is fine. It's part of the industry. Um, I, I mean, you can see it changing, uh, which is some of the benefit of given the, the longer career I've had in it. Um, But what I would say, I guess, is I'm a little, potentially I'm not your typical woman in business, because I really don't think about myself as being a woman first. I think of myself as being a business person first. And I've kind of always, people have remarked to me in the past that they've kind of observed that with me, that I kind of don't let the gender thing um, stand in the way. And maybe that is just... Having had to kind of sort myself out that way for so long of being the sole woman, or potentially just one of two women in a, an executive a discussion, or or in a, you know leading a team, for example. So um, when I think about that, you know, I think it's just about being my best self, right, in collaboration or leading teams. And so I think by nature, um, I've adapted um because you're trying to be your best self you're trying to find that that way of connecting with people whether they're working for you or they're working with you to you know influence them and have them change their behaviors or improve their performance or think about uh an opportunity in a slightly different way so uh, it's kind of interesting that i just kind of don't think about the shape i do definitely think about the representation part of it, that there's a lot, we're a lot less women in the room um, than even today that Mm -hmm. I see.
0: And so when did you, for context, when did you first join the convenience store industry?
1: Well, I've been doing this for almost over 25 years. And so I was uh, way back when before BP bought Amoco, uh, you know, my first exposure was the split second program and retail offer that we were piloting in Tampa. So that would have been in the kind of mid eighties. Mm-hmm. So we're we're talking almost thirty years now, Aaron, of experience in the convenience retailing. And I bounced back and forth different roles um and in different uh parts of retail. Uh some of it convenience retailing, some of the big box when I worked for Walmart, um, and some consumer marketing, uh when I had some various jobs at at uh at BP, but always came back to convenience retailing. And I've been with Giant Eagle for five years, running the gecko business.
0: Wonderful. And so you were talking a little bit earlier about some of your earlier experiences and mentioning that that you were often, you said maybe one of two women in the room. Would you say you were often the only woman in the room?
1: Sure. Of course. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's still the case.
0: That's still the case today. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Um, so what do you think are maybe some of the unique obstacles or issues that, that women in your generation faced or are facing compared to previous or future generations?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think that clearly representation is a problem that existed acutely um, in the past 20 or 30 years. There just weren't enough folks, enough women in the room to even count. And I still think that that's a case, particularly in the convenience retailing. I think in Giant Eagle, um, we've, we've uh, you know, our CEO, Laura Corret has done a fantastic job uh, really creating and, and hiring uh, senior executives. So representation, obviously, with her at, at, the, at the lead and several of my peers in the Giant Eagle business also being women, I feel representation in Giant Eagle. But as I mentioned, I think in the... If I'm in a share group meeting, or if I'm at NACs, uh, many cases representation still remains an issue. I think another issue that remains that I see, not necessarily for myself, I think I was quite fortunate for that, but confidence uh, of women. It is now more common practice for people to draw people out and have put their voices into the room. Uh, and as part of kind of diversity and inclusion, um, I think that has gone light, you know, I jumped light years uh, in terms of people's awareness that it's okay to be different. In many cases, you have to bring people into conversations if they aren't necessarily participating in it for whatever reason. So, but I do think uh, confidence in women um, still remains that they get talked over or uh, potentially are, I think, a little bit more about what they're going to say before they put it in the room, maybe versus some of their other counterparts. So I think those are still some of the issues. But what I think is good that has really progressed, I think representation's gotten better. Still not what it should be, but representation's gotten better. Secondly, I think just all, everything associated with um, equality and inclusion uh, for whether it's people of color or, you know, whether you're people purple, green, blue, or or red, or female or male or bisexual or, uh, you know, binary, whatever it may be. I think people uh, generally are far more accepting of that, um, especially in corporate uh, places. I mean, you just, you you can't hide anymore if you are, uh, or you're a racist and, uh, or you have some real severe issues in terms of dealing with people of of different nationalities or religions or sexual orientations or genders or whatever. I think that's really terrific. I think that's good for everything and everybody. Um, And I think people are more accepting of diversity of styles. So separate from what I just mentioned on inclusion and diversity that I think that uh, because people have opened their, you know, the workplaces is multi-generational with you know, uh, across the spectrum. And I also believe millennials um, and generation-wise are less tolerant of work environments that are not accepting of styles. That as a result of that, uh, gender differences, because there are style differences between the genders. There just are in terms of speaking, in terms of how you put your point forward, in terms of maybe potentially approach and how you think about something. And I think that that is a lot more accepted today. Uh, still a ways to go, but I think people are just because of the sheer diversity of styles in the workplace and also the lack of tolerance of not accepting them, that I think that has, has, has uh, really helped and, and improved the workplace for women.
0: What would you say are some ways that GetGo specifically is working to be inclusive of, of women as well as other minority voices?
1: Yeah, we've got a really robust program. I think we view that, um, you know, the George Floyd kind of moment last summer uh, and that really horrible, uh, terrible incident along with a lot of other uh, people of color that have lost their lives and general awareness um, a moment, I think for all organizations that um, we really stepped it up. I think we were doing a pretty good job before with succession planning and training um, and uh, raising people's, uh, you know, raising their awareness to their unconscious uh, biases, uh, raising their awareness across uh, different gender groups about those unconscious bias. But we put in really robust programs on succession planning uh, and, uh, and recruiting. Uh, we are holding monthly small group discussions to educate ourselves about Different gender groups and our gender groups and and uh, uh, diverse groups, uh, whether it be Asians or uh, Black or um, Hispanic or uh, you know, we just celebrated Pride Month in in June and I had a whole program associated with that. So across the spectrum, we're really ratcheting up our education programs and recruiting and retention programs to really be quite thoughtful about focusing and having conversations to raise our awareness and then hopefully start to put some of that into play. We also have a very robust supplier program that we're working on to attract uh, a diverse group of suppliers. For example, we're rolling out, soon at several of our cafes, a new vendor for barbecue program, a local barbecue uh, entrepreneur. So we're really excited about that. Um, and looking for those unique suppliers that maybe in the past we might have overlooked because they didn't have the scale and asking ourselves the questions about how do we actually help them get to the scale? How do we help them enter our business? So uh, just a short list, Aaron, but we've got a, about a list of 10 different priorities that we'll work on to, to really ratchet up the game. And quite frankly, uh, we want to improve. It's it's a mission of ours uh, to be able, quite frankly, at the end of the day, attract the talent that we want, retain the talent that we want, compete for the talent um, in this very, very competitive labor market. Uh, and also, it's just the right thing to do as a human being.
0: Wonderful. And absolutely. Um, now, I know that GECO was recognized as a best places to work for LGBTQ equality. Can you tell me a bit more about that and go into a little more detail on some of your initiatives there?
1: Yeah, it's, um, we're, we're, we're very fortunate just to cover our size and scale to have several multiple resource groups across um, both sexual orientation or our GE Proud group. Um, and then across all sorts of women in business and um, different uh, people of color businesses for Latinos and Latinos, African-Americans and, um, and Asians. So we're really proud of these resource groups. And our resource group, our, our GE proud group work really, really hard with our benefits team because we've been reaching 90% on the, um, in the human rights index for a couple of years, but we're just missing some of the last Types of benefits we needed for gender identity, Um, and uh, we were able to to make those changes and received 100% perfect score on the Human Rights Equality Index, and we're really really proud of it. But you know, it goes all the way from just like I talked about with some of the other resource uh, and and, you know equality and diversity um, programs, raising awareness. A big focus for us is transgender and. and binary focus and understanding just some, you know, we, we had a, for Pride Month last month, we had a, an hour long town hall and invited guest speakers in just to talk about language and how people describe themselves and what it means and, um, and really understanding how we can raise our game and our awareness and understanding about how people want to describe themselves. And it's quite simple. People want to uh, bring their full selves uh, everywhere, not only at home, but to work. And so it's a real opportunity for us to use language of people em- that embraces who they are. Um, and it can be really quite stifling when you don't. And so that was a really great session to improve our understanding and to make strides and changing our own. Uh, ways of thinking and ways of speaking about um about all the different aspects of lgbtq
0: wonderful and i think it's so wonderful when companies can do this work because you know you can do it across the whole organization and make such a big difference it has such a, a big effect on on people's lives and so i think it is it's such a great thing uh, that you all are are doing this so for the gen z women uh, or people across the gender spectrum today, you know, what do you wish you knew when you first started your career? Or what advice do you have? You know, what do you want to leave them with as they start to navigate their careers? That is such a big question, Aaron. <laughs> Um
1: it, It's totally a Miss America question. Uh, but, um, you know, I think ultimately when I look back at my career, I, again, as I first, I think first and foremost that I'm a business person uh, and the success that I've had and building brands and building people and building businesses and achieving the goals, whether they're short term, medium term or long term. So first and foremost, I think it's about uh, recognizing that's our, our duty and job and, and hopefully that excites them. Uh, in terms of what they do. The second thing is we spend so much time at work, uh, now a bit maybe more virtually, maybe a bit more comfortably uh, in our hybrid worlds. But uh, the reality is um, you got to have fun because if you're not having fun doing what you're doing and enjoying the people you're working with, boy, it's an awful lot of time spent in drudgery. So clearly find something that you want to do and have some fun with it. If not, find something else uh, to occupy your time, and because life is short. And even though you might be kind of wed to the paycheck um, or wed, concerned or, and fearful about the change, I have to say, I think it's actually, this pandemic has opened up a lot of opportunities, it's accelerated some trends, uh, built momentum. I think this is a really great time. And also people are being hired, not necessarily where they live, but where they're best fit to work. Uh, and and it can be virtual. So I just think there's tons of opportunities. So find something you like and and really jump into it. I think the third piece of advice would be just about have faith in yourself, have some confidence in yourself. You're better probably than you think you are. Um, And you have more experience, more knowledge, uh, you're smarter, wiser, more thoughtful and caring than you think you are. So put your voice out there, ask for the project, raise your hand, volunteer. The worst that can happen is somebody says no. I have to tell you, Aaron, very rarely if somebody raises their hand and volunteers for a project or puts their voice into the room with a really great point, it's never no. It's never it's it's not a regret. so mm-hmm. go for it. You'd be surprised of what doors and windows are open.
0: Wonderful. That is amazing advice. I'm getting chills just listening to it. uh, So that that's wonderful. Well, Polly, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and walking us through some of your experiences and giving some advice to uh, to those who are listening today.
1: Thanks, Darren. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.